Coming up next, The Bear on KCRW Berlin. It's the show that gives you a front row seat to an evening of great storytelling recorded live in Berlin. Up next, the first in a two-part show on the topic, Alone, stories about being a fish out of water. Stay tuned. Welcome to The Bear on KCRW Berlin. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Each month, The Bear hosts an event where people are invited to share stories centered around a certain theme. And each month, we bring you some of our favorite stories from the evening. Today's show is the first of a two-parter on the theme, Alone. Stories about being a fish out of water. This evening, we will feature three of our favorites, and in September, we'll bring you three more. The true personal stories you'll hear tonight were recorded back in June. Berlin musician Felix Komel performed music live. The first story comes from Denise Banks Grazedek. It's called Your Attention, Please. One moment in her presence, and you can forget the rest. For the girl is second best. To none, ooh, sigh, give your attention, do I really have to mention she's the one? This... <laughs> so this is a little song that sometimes plays in my head when I need to have a little more confidence. And I thought, it's the perfect song to start off a story about my award-winning one-woman show on Broadway. Then I remembered, this is the bear, and it's true storytelling. <laughs> that Broadway thing has yet to happen. But this story actually did. I'm in my 20s, so obviously not that long ago. <laughs> and I, <laughs> you're laughing way too much. <laughs> so I'm in my 20s, and I am working at a big international company. And I get sent to do a presentation. I'm flying to, from Berlin to Munich to do a presentation on knowledge management and to talk about how we're gonna manage the change. I'm feeling confident because I know my stuff and I know the benefits, I know the challenges, and I know how to deal with the questions that they're going to ask me. I take my flight, I arrive in Munich, I get to the our Munich office, and I'm walking, my heels are clicking, looking good, heads turn. I'm used to this, because in our Berlin office, at that time about a thousand people, I am the only black person, and I am the only non-white woman. Maybe that's why they're looking. It might also be the pink suit that I'm wearing. <laughs> and because I didn't know about Diane's basement sale, 
Mine was a fake Chanel. <laughs> or maybe it's the fact that, hey, at 20, I was pretty darn cute. I arrive, I take the elevator up to the top floor. In my head, she's the one. The elevator stops. I take a deep breath. I walk into the conference room. All eyes are on me. Uh, excuse me, the ladies' room is down the hall. I pretend I don't hear this. Walk in. I'm Denise Banks. I'll be giving the presentation this morning. Everyone sits down. I move over, take my position. I'm going to crush this. I give the presentation. It's fantastic. Now we're going to have the discussion. I take my seat. And what happens next? I become absolutely invisible. Did I mention this was a presentation for the senior management in the automotive industry? Everyone in this room was at least 10 years older than I was. Everyone was male. And everyone had a zero on the melanin spectrum. <laughs> they were not about to let me in the old boys club. Conversation starts. They're speaking amongst themselves. Well, what are the real benefits of this? Uh, what are we, how are we going to manage this? Uh, they talk over me. They ignore me. And in the back of my head, the song's playing. She's the one. Give me your attention. So I'm not sure how we're going to manage this. We've got to... And this goes on for about 45 minutes. I've not said a word that someone hasn't interrupted. Suddenly, I begin to rise. And it's an invisible force. I don't actually want to do this, but I feel myself getting up. I'm walking to the front of the room. And I stand. And I wait. And I give them the kind of look mom used to give us when she told you not to do that. And I stand. I have perfected the art of silence and staring you down. <laughs> After a week or two, it's actually about a minute, it feels like a week, the senior lead looks up and I make eye contact. And he turns back and continues his conversation. Give me your attention. <clears throat> Gentlemen, the senior stops speaking, and slowly around the table, everyone else does. All eyes are on me. If you'll give me your attention, I've been listening to your questions. I can answer them now. And I can show you how we're going to move forward. This is an important time for us, and I can help you. The people that in our team, that's what we're here for. I move back to my seat. I sit down. I 
breathe a sigh of relief. And when the meeting ends, I've answered all the questions. I get up to leave and I think, there's real power in silence. There's power in knowing when to speak and when not to speak. And there's also real power in listening to that little voice in your head, the one that says, give me your attention. You're the one. So I came in, maybe feeling like a fish out of water, and I left feeling like a shark in an aquarium. That was Your Attention, Please, from Denise Banks-Grazdick. You're listening to The Bear on KCRW Berlin. We'll be back with more fish out of water stories after these messages. plays Aunt Lydia in The Handmaid's Tale on playing terrifying people. My husband said, don't you want to play someone who's, like, nice? A whole hour inspired by The Handmaid's Tale and its upcoming sequel, The Testaments. I love going to the lower depths. That's a ticket to heaven. Next time on Studio 360. Studio 360, Sunday nights at 6 on KCRW Berlin. Public radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. You can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Welcome back to The Bear on KCRW Berlin. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. On the last Saturday of every month, we bring you stories recorded live at Bear Storytelling events here in Berlin. These stories were recorded on June 14th at Maschinenhaus im Kulturbrauerei in Prenzauerberg. The theme of the evening was Alone, stories about being a fish out of water. The next story is called Labels, and it comes from Renko Pals. So long story short, I didn't really fit in. Okay, I guess probably looking at your faces, you want to hear the story that accompanies it, so I'll go for the longer version. Uh, I was thinking of of this phrase while I was uh, putting in the laundry. And there's something you should know, I absolutely hate doing the laundry. It's just something about the, 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 the mindlessness of like putting in the stuff and then selecting the things and like sorting out the colors and then the, the repetitiveness of like folding all the things and the fact that it never ever stops. And I, ugh, it just gives me this feeling inside of like, ugh, ugh, ugh. and because it's so stupid and I, I, my mind starts to wander and I start thinking about my life and, or a storytelling event that is supposed to happen. And, and the last time I thought like, okay, yeah, when I was young, I, I was kind of like a weird, a weird kid. I mean, I'm still pretty weird, but 
compared to my friends right now, I'm, I'm pretty normal. Uh, so <laughs> kind of save that one. Uh, but I, I come from Belgium. I grew up in a, like a very, very small town village. Not the end of the world, but you could see it from there. So I, I just, it, it didn't really work there. And uh, by the time I went to university, this was like the moment where like, I would like break free and uh, I would still have to go back every week uh, uh, during the weekends uh, to my parents in the small town village so my mother could do my laundry. And uh, yeah, at the uh, university, I was uh, like sewing stuff on my t-shirts. I would like color my shoes. I would be like all wacky. I had my first boyfriend, like things like that. But that wouldn't really work when I would go back. So I started living like this double life and I would have to hide every time I would go back. So I would change my clothes. I would swap the skinny jeans for something like, well, that, or, uh, I'm just joking, this is a very nice answer. Uh, no, it's just something more basic and representable. Uh, yeah, of course. And, um, and of course, those things go wrong. This things, my, uh, I mean, probably some of you had the same thing, that your mother is doing your laundry, and then she fishes something out, and she's like, this pair of underwear, what, what is this? Is like, is, is this yours? And it's like, oh, yeah, sure. But it's not really your size, is it? So I'd be like, oh, no. Uh, so when I was in my, well, early, mid-twenties, I uh, decided to move to Berlin. So I thought, oh, hey, this is really the moment where I can be my true, authentic self, um, which kind of happened. Um, I, didn't, I didn't really like Berlin at all in the beginning. Uh, I, you hear it from everybody here who moves to another country. It's the language. You're alone. You have to build up a life, like for new friends, a new job. And the moment where I felt this the most was when I had to do my laundry, <laughs> exactly. So I had to go through a laundromat, obviously, um, which was, it's just so sad. Um, <laughs> basically because I'm also kind of an idiot. Uh, so I just bought like a new jacket, I remember that, uh, and I remember very well. It's a laundromat close to Bayerischer Platz, and I was there looking at the, at the label, and it had like a square with like a circle and like two dots, like all these symbols. And I was like, what does this mean? Am I now part of the Illuminati? Is this, what, what do I do with this? I have to study like a master's in symbology to understand this. So I like took out my rickety phone and like trying to like prepaid things. Like, okay, what does a square with a circle and a circle? And dots mean permanent press, medium heat. I don't, I didn't get it. Uh, so, um, I felt, uh, yeah, when I was doing all of this, there was another person there, and uh, very nice, he was just minding his own business, reading a book, not really paying attention to the mess that was unfolding before him. And I remember very well, like, looking, and I thought, it's a Friday night. What are you doing with your life? What a loser! When I do the laundry, my laundry game really uh, got a real good boost when I decided to get a washing machine because it came with an operator, my boyfriend. <laughs> so I have to clarify, it's not that I got the boyfriend because he got a washing machine. 
No, it's also not that I got a washing machine and then the delivery guy is now my boyfriend. No, we, we purchased it together, like very like, equal and stuff. And uh, yeah, he, is, he made me fit in in Berlin. He is from, uh, from Latin America. He's very uh, different than most people in Berlin. He's not gray or black. He is very like happy and energetic and super colorful, wearing patterns and colored shirts and sweaters. And obviously, I ruined those sweaters when I do the laundry. Like, I don't know, two months ago, I ruined his favorite yellow sweater. So yeah, I put it with the black or something, and then it turned on another type of yellow. And I don't know, then he had to buy a new sweater. It's, yeah, but he, he really showed me Berlin, and he, he made me experience everything in a, in a nice way. Uh, he also introduced me to ironing, a thing I hate so much, it gives me wrinkles. It's And I was a few, well, some time back, I was, uh, I was folding the laundry. And I was doing a really, really bad job. I mean, I didn't like turn pants inside out. I would just be like, and of course, my mind starts wandering. And I think to myself, well, it's kind of nice that um, my boyfriend doesn't say anything about the fact that I'm doing such a bad job in folding the laundry. He just, uh, yeah, just appreciates the fact that I'm doing something in the household. So I thought I should tell him that I love him for the fact that he doesn't want me to change and that he just loves me for who I am, even though I do like a really, really bad job. But that would mean that he knows that I know that I'm doing a really bad job in folding the laundry, meaning that I actually know how to do it better. <laughs> so I uh, So I was thinking all of this while pairing two mismatching socks. <laughs> and I thought, so yeah, long story short, didn't really fit in. Thank you. You've just heard labels from storyteller Franco Paulus. We're taking a short break. And when we come back, the final story of this evening's show. Stay tuned. In the claustrophobia of a New York apartment, Mel Edison is having a nervous breakdown. I'm unraveling it now. I'm, 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 I'm losing touch. You haven't been sleeping well lately. I, I don't know where I am half the time. The Prisoner of Second Avenue by Neil Simon, starring Richard Dreyfus and Marsha Mason, next time on L.A. Theatre Works. Catch the all-new L.A. Theatre Works this Sunday at 7 p.m. on KCRW Berlin. So, you've been thinking about corporate underwriting on KCRW Berlin, but just don't know how to get started? Let us make it easy for you. The next time you're on your computer, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com sponsorships. We'll be more than happy to explain the process step by step. It's that easy. 
Remember, email us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Then, the next time you're listening to KCRW Berlin, you just might hear your business name on the air. You're listening to The Bear on KCRW Berlin, and the theme of tonight's show is Alone, stories about being a fish out of water. The final storyteller we'll hear from tonight is Ben McGuire. His story is called The Magic Flute. The first time I ever told a story at the Bear, the accompanying musician was Mr. Felix, or Captain Felix as we know him now. And he accompanied me beautifully. I didn't know at the time that he also plays the flute. And my story is called The Magic Flute. So, Felix, would you like to join me? Yes, of course. Good man. Felix doesn't know my story, so we're just going to improvise this and see what happens. The Magic Flute. Every fiber of my being wanted to reach out and hug him and hold him. It's September 1995 and we're standing in a dusty, deserted bus station on the border between Turkey and Iran. We're both 21. We're both Australian. And we're both very clearly struggling to find out how best to honour what we've shared and say goodbye. Yes, every fibre of my being wanted to hug him and hold him. And I could see in his eyes he wanted to hug me. But instead, we put out our hands and shook hands. What is wrong with we men? What is wrong with us? I met Luke a month earlier in a ramshackle hostel in Istanbul. I walked down into the breakfast room and there he is with his beautiful, long, flowing brown hair right down to his bum, sparkling blue eyes and a lovely four-day stubble. Just the sort of man who my intolerant father would have described as, looks like a goddamn hippie, son. (laughs) And he did, and it was made even more perfect, this picture of the hippie, because in his mouth he had a little ocarina, a little clay flute, and there he was sitting at the breakfast table playing it. I sat with Luke and we ate breakfast and we discovered that we were being, we'd been thwarted by the same problem. We'd both come to Turkey with the intention of travelling right out into the east of Turkey, the wilds of Turkey, where the border met with Georgia, Armenia, Iran. But there were strict government warnings from the Turkish government and the Australian embassy, don't go out there because at the time there were skirmishes between the Turkish military and the PKK the Kurdish liberation movement. 
we didn't want to travel alone. And we sat there at that breakfast table over Turkish bread and honey and we made a pact. Let's travel together so that if something happens to one of us, the other can ring his mother. That ocarina, that little clay flute accompanied us on this journey. It wasn't just a musical instrument. It was a talisman. It was a glücksbringer. And in some senses, it was a guardian angel. It captured the imagination of children. We'd be out in the east of Turkey, and randomly, Luke would start playing his ocarina. And within a couple of minutes, there'd be a whole trail of children following, like the Pied Piper of Hamblin, all playing their imaginary ocarinas. It melted the steely hearts of soldiers. On more than one occasion, we were stopped at roadblocks with tanks and angry-looking soldiers standing there with AK-47 machine guns looking down angrily at us. And they'd glare at us and they'd step down off their tanks and come and search us and our gear until Luke started playing the ocarina. And those hearts melted. At work, not just with angry soldiers, but with animals. We overnighted in a deserted church, a thousand-year-old church in a place called Arnie, where we were set upon by a pack of dogs, wild dogs. We each picked up stones and sticks to try and defend ourselves, and that wasn't going to work until Luke started playing the ocarina. <laughs> and we left alive. But the magic of Luke's ocarina didn't, didn't really set in until we were up high in the Kachkar Mountains. We climbed all day to the top of this mountain and overlooked a beautiful mountain valley. There was a lake in the middle, peaks, steep peaks rising on either side, and by the side of the lake, these beautiful rounded boulders, massive, as if some prehistoric mythical creature had laid its eggs there. And there was something about the natural amphitheater, the acoustics in this place, that created the most intense stillness, silence, and solitude. I lay myself down on one of these rocks, and I could feel the warmth from the rock pulsating through my body. And in this stillness, I heard claps of thunder. But there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I looked up and I saw them. Eight ducks swooping low in formation down over the rocks and then down over this lake, flying straight and hard. <laughs> And with every beat of their synchronised wing, the acoustics in this place translated that air into a clap of thunder. As the sun set, I lay on these rocks and the moon rose. And slowly, stars appeared in the sky. And as the darkness rose, this beautiful Milky Way formed itself above me. It was there to be 
reached out and touched. And I lay there, and in the darkness from somewhere, way up above me on a rock, came this music. And if that acoustic amphitheatre could turn ducks' wings into thunder, I'm bereft of the words to describe what it could do to Luke's magical flute. It enveloped me, and there we were alone. And Luke gifted me in this moment one of the most beautifully exquisite and exquisitely beautiful moments of my entire life. And that is one of the reasons when we were standing there in that dusty bus station that I wanted to take this man in my arms and hug him, to thank him for that moment of what we'd experienced, to thank him for his protection, for his accompaniment, for his friendship, the camaraderie, the moments shared. But we didn't. We shook hands and Luke got on the bus. And as the bus turned to leave, it happened simultaneously. We both did the same thing. We realized our mistake and we reached out each for the other. It wasn't a wave, it wasn't a gesture, it was some sort of yearning until Luke's hand touched the window of the bus. And there we were, like some pair of lovers on a prison visit with this protective glass separating us. What is wrong with we men? Is our emotional landscape so impoverished? Are our kingdoms so fragile that they will crumble at the prospect of taking another man in your arms for just a moment? What is wrong with me, we men? Why do we wait until there's a plate of protective glass between us, gazing each at the other through this zoo of our emotional imprisonment? before we reach for a gesture of vulnerability and beauty. As the bus left, Luke left, and with Luke went his magic flute, and with his magic flute, the celestial music of that journey stopped. And I was left there in a moment of regret and sadness, and in that moment I made myself a promise. The next time I see Luke, I will hug him and hold him. But here's the thing. Sometimes the universe gives us only that first fleeting moment to properly honour what needs to be properly honoured. 25 years have passed and I've never hugged Luke because I never saw him again. That was The Magic Flute from Ben McGuire and our final story for this evening's show.
These true personal stories were recorded live at the Bear on June 14th in Prenzlauerberg. Remember that this was the first in a two-parter, so don't forget to tune in the last Saturday of September at 7pm for more Fish Out of Water stories. The Bear was created by Diane Nyman and inspired by The Moth. You heard live music in this evening's show from Felix Como. Our show's theme is I Need Love, remixed by DJ Spectre. If you'd like to tell a story or attend the next Bear Storytelling Evening, go to kcrwberlin.com slash thebear for more information. I'm Sylvia Cunningham. Thanks for tuning in.